Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you willing? Hey gents. Welcome to another episode of Apex Masculinity, a high-performance men's coaching outfit designed to help you show up strong in every area of life. Raising the bar in fatherhood, marriage, finance, business, health, and all things manly. Gentlemen, let's begin. Hey, gents, welcome back to Apex Masculinity. You're in the right place. I'm your host, Nick Chantos. Record. You'll see it on your side. Awesome. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Just take it away. Awesome. All right, guys, my guest with me today is Anthony Treas. He's got a master's degree in public health, he's a certified health education specialist. He's a is a Marine, served in the military, served overseas in Iraq, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Um, (laughs) He was a sergeant, uh, he's a podcaster, uh, life, health, and wellness coach. Anthony, uh, I'm so glad to have you on today, brother. How you doing? Hey, Nick, thank you so much. Yeah, I I, uh, served in the Marine Corps and the Oregon Army National Guard, and and, uh, yeah, I was uh, deployed with the Oregon Guard uh, back in 2009, 2010, and I'm here with you, so it's great to to be here uh, talking to you today. Awesome. Two things, man, before we get started. One, obviously, thank you for your service. I know um, what you guys did and went through and experienced over there was uh, uh, pretty exciting and and probably uh, some tough times, you know, to walk through and everything, but we appreciate you guys and your service for our country. And uh, also, the second thing, man, this is really an honor for me. And per our little warm-up chat that we had just a little bit ago, where I was letting you know that I stumbled across your podcast probably seven years ago when I really started reaching out for information, trying to get my head right and kind of figure out what was wrong and what was broken with me upstairs. And the podcasts have been helpful. Um, So thank you for that. Thank you for what you do and giving back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, sharing that with me. Hey, you know, I, I... I'm always, there's always that little bit of apprehension, like nerves or whatever, like uh, right before I do one of these, because you always want them to be good or whatever. And then I got to stop and like take a deep breath and remind myself that they always go way better if they're unscripted. I mean, I have a few notes or whatever, talking points and stuff like that, but if they're unscripted and I just go into it having fun. So with that said, I got to tell you about this one podcast that you did that was like really an eye opener for me. And you had a physician hmm. on and uh, he was a medical doctor of some kind. I can't remember like exactly what his credentials were, but he was talking about early onset ED, hmm. right? And uh, I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll listen to this for a minute. And, you know, cause I'm getting older in life, right? Yes. I'm yes. sure this is just around the corner, you know? Yes. <laughs> but uh, he started going on about how people think that it's uh, related to like testosterone reduction in the body or something like that, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. But he went on to talk about how like the arteries in, and I'm just going to throw numbers out to kind of get close to what I think he said, but like the arteries in our heart were like eight millimeters, but the ones in our pelvic region were like four millimeters. And when a guy starts noticing like early onset ED, it has less to do with testosterone decrease, but more to do with like an early warning sign that your arteries are starting to get clogged. Right. Yeah. And he said, yeah, he said, guys that go through that situation, usually within about eight years, they have their first cardiac event. Mm. And I was like, Whoa, okay. You know what I mean? Like this is a, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information out there that you can catch on the front side of things and start making healthy, positive changes in your lifestyle, you know, to create a fuller, longer term quality of life, you know, more positive quality of life and stuff. And yeah, so that one, that one was really good. Yeah, that was with Dr. Judson Brandeis. And it's quite interesting that you bring it up because I actually just interviewed him again, literally last week. He just, he just came out with a book called The 21st Century Man. And just released, he, he actually interviewed or uh, have, I think, over 50 different 
doctors, uh, medical personnel that work with men specifically. And so, uh, yeah, I just, his, his, his interview will come out here in a couple of weeks. So you'll be hearing again from him. So it was a great conversation, okay. great information, but yeah, that's Dr. Judson Brandeis. Okay. Yeah. Do you do your own editing for your podcasts and stuff? You know, it depends. I, I, it depends. Uh, but I, I am capable. I do have somebody to, uh, who does the editing for me. It just a matter uh, of how many I have going on, but I like to jump in there once in a while and, and keep those skills going and I'll do some editing once in a while. Right. Yeah. IT for me is a bear, man. Like, um, I met this lady that was going to, I did this great podcast episode with this guy. He's a life coach. Um, and it's quickly becoming like the fastest downloaded episode. His name is Joel Hassenritter. And right towards the end, he was given this story about how one of his mentors had these two like glass vases that he keeps on his nightstand. Mm. And in one of them, he put like 60 marbles. And in the other one, it has none. And he said, you know, men live about 60. It's kind of what you can expect, average years of life. And every year on his birthday, he would like take a marble from that one jar and put it over into the other jar. And it was like a time to like, all right, like you're running out of years, reflect on this last year and really think about, you know, where your life's headed and what you've done. And, you know, are you living your core values and stuff? And it glitched so hard. And it was like the piece de resistance of the interview. And I was just so bummed, but I sent them off to a lady and she edited them for me. And I was, I was blown away by, you know, there's people out there that can work magic like that and, and, and fix it and bring it back. But anyway, I don't want to digress too much with that, but what I wanted to get into today, brother was, um, obviously what you do with your coaching practice and all that stuff but I want to like backtrack way back to the beginning and ask like um did you have any like traumatic experiences like growing up in your youth or adolescence at all or did you live a pretty nominal childhood like a normal childhood yeah no, that's a great question and great way to kick off this this episode you know I did I did have a very traumatic childhood both uh physically and verbally and it's quite interesting because you know, for several years, or for many years, you know, I had gotten, I remember when my father, my father is a recovering alcoholic. And I remember when my father, he came out of recovery. And I was, I was young, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember the day I remember where we were at. And my father came out of recovering for alcohol. And I remember him asking for forgiveness. And I think that's one of the the things that they teach in in recovery where you know if you have an opportunity you might have heard a lot of people in your in your time in, in, with uh, alcohol but if you have an opportunity to ask for forgiveness to do that i think that's one of the things they do i'm not 100% sure but i'm i'm almost positive that there that is and so i remember the day that he did that and you know as a boy you just want your, you want to have that connection with your father. You, you really don't know what you're doing and, and the pain and hurt that, that really is deep inside, but you're like, yeah, of course, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of just saying it kind of, uh, um, you, you know, I'm an adult here and, and, but I'm sure as a kid, I was just like, yeah, okay, dad, you know, I forgive you, whatever. But, you know, even when you forgive somebody that pain and that, that, um, I think you, I'm not sure if you mentioned here earlier, I know probably perhaps when we were talking earlier about the brain and about how our brains are developed. And I'm very fascinated with the brain. And I have been for, for many decades now. And the first seven years of your life, though that those first seven years of brain development, not necessarily physically, physical development, but brain development is so pivotal of how you as an adult eventually see the world. Because when yeah. you, when you enter in this, on this world, we are designed to attach not only, especially to our mothers, yes, but also to those, to our, our loved ones, right? Our parents. And there have been studies where there, that we will, no matter how bad we are being treated, whether it's our mom or parents, we will always want to go back to those parents. You know, I was a, a foster parent for three years and I got to see and hear a lot of different things, a lot of different stories. And 
and you hear these stories of kids that are being abused at home and yet they want to go back home. Right. And, yeah. it, and what, what happens is in the, in, and for us as adults, we're like, how in the world would you want to go back to that situation? Well, it all starts yeah. from our brain that we yeah. have this incredible attachment. If we didn't, if our brains weren't designed this way, we wouldn't survive because we are meant to uh, go and be and, and have that connection and have that bond with our mm-hmm. parents who are there to protect us and love us. So right. when our brain is developing and you are being yelled at, you're being hit, you are being mistreated, um, it, your brain is developing in a way where you see the world as violent. You see the world as unsafe. You, right. see the, the, you, you don't. So when you become an adult, even the, and, 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 you, and you have those experiences at a young age, just because you turn 18 and now you're an adult, oh, you just, you heal from that and you move on and you just stop crying. And you know, that's childish stuff. That's, that's not how it works. Our right. brains. And so for me, when I was going through my, my stuff uh, in a sense, and luckily for me, I, I just had this very fascination with brain. Cause I got into like um, our mental strength or mental, you know, like a, um, just developing mentally as an athlete, as a person, as a professional. And I really was very drawn to mindset and these sort of things and what to do and, and, and meditation and all these different kind of things. And so I began to really understand, and it made sense to me that I look back at my life as a young adult, as a young man, and how um, I struggled. I struggled mentally. I struggled physically. I had growing up, I had zero self-esteem. I had zero belief in myself. I had zero, you know, just, I struggled immensely. I was a small kid. I wasn't, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like your average height, average weight of a man, you know, probably less than average uh, weight, but, but I loved sports, loved sports. And I think perhaps for me, that kind of helped me in building myself. I don't even know why I even thought about going to the Marine Corps right out of high school and, and these sort of, cause I was a very small guy. In fact, when I graduated high school and I, I went to the Marine Corps 10 days after I graduated high school and I, right before you go to boot camp, they do these medical checks and they weigh you. And I remember I was there at the station and going through this whole process with everybody else and I weighed 116 pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's probably what like, you know, it, and I remember this specifically because it hit me hard. It, it made an indention and it made an impression in my brain because mm-hmm. the person who was weighing us, right, the, the one who was writing all the stuff down, yelled out loud, like 116 pounds, like, and I was embarrassed. Right. So it stuck with me. So that was like this pivotal, this, this, this shock to my brain, you know, like, you know, these moments, we'll talk about a traumatic moment, right. I was all embarrassed with all these other guys around. And, and so, but I had to, um, I had to carry everything that everyone else had to carry. I had to do everything else. Every recruit has to go through for boot camp. And I remember they actually made me what they call a D rat. And DRAT stands for double rations. And back when I went through boot camp in the summer of 94, um, there was these tags that they hang on to your uniform. And so every time I went through the chow hall to the chow line, they gave me double of everything, double the main meal, double, double uh, every single thing. Uh, even the pastries, they gave me double right, right. <laughs> to, put some, to put some weight on me. And <laughs> yeah, but going back to this this situation where those seven first seven years of my life were just my father yelling my father spanking the shit out of my brother and I for every little thing uh, barely having any kind of skivvies on I remember one time Nick when my my father was yelling at my brother and I hitting us and I had to go to the bathroom bad and I and and uh, I was I was 
probably making some indication that I needed to go to the bathroom. And so my, my dad let me go. And I just remember just being this little kid, just at the toilet, just peeing. And I'm thinking, man, I hope this thing lasts forever because I didn't want to, I literally, I literally knew I was going to go and have to face the lion at, you know, the face, you know, after I I had finished going to the bathroom and, and, and just, and so if you can imagine Nick having this, and I was, like I said, I just, I graduated high school weighing 160 pounds. I was a very tiny kid. I was Mm -hmm. tiny. And so for my father to a grown man to take a belt and whip the shit out of my brother and I, and here's, here's a story I'll share with you real quick, Nick, that this past June, Okay. Now I'm 45 years old and, and I've lived 45 years on this planet. And most of it's been very, uh, for a good portion of it, especially first, um, years of my life were very difficult. And I remember when, uh, just this past June, my father, he was, he was sharing some stuff with me and the stuff that he was sharing with me was just like, he was talking about his childhood as well. And I was thinking, yeah, he, and, and even though I was, I was appreciating what he was saying, I was just boiling up mad thinking, wait, I, I was, I was really trying to have some empathy. I was, I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. What he was sharing with me and how he felt he had a bad childhood and, and not to have this pissing contest, but he's my father. And I'm yeah. thinking, wait a second. You're telling me what you've gone through. And I really asked some deep questions to make sure, okay, is this the worst, excuse my language, fucking thing you went through in your life? And um, sorry, hopefully that's okay to stay in your pocket. Sorry, you're good, yeah. um, you know, I was like, and, and so I, I, I was just, bo- just boiling and I was like, wait a second. And I just started, I, I got so mad that, um, and this was this past summer in, in, in California, and, and I, um, I happened to have a belt on. I was wearing shorts. I wasn't wearing a shirt. And I'm just hanging out with my dad at his apartment. And I, I took off my belt, and I, I put it in half, and I, and I started shaking the belt buckle. Now, mind you, I just turned 45 in June. I'm 45 years old when this happens. I'm a 45-year-old grown man with – I've been to war – I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. I have a bachelor's degree, master's degree. I've been able to do a lot of great stuff, travel a lot. Anyhow, I'm 45 years old and I'm sitting and I started, started waving or started um, moving this belt so that the belt buckle, you can hear it. And I go, do you hear that? Do you hear that noise? And I'm, I'm like maybe two feet away from my father. And I go, do you, you know, I'm shaking this belt and you can hear the belt clinking, the buckle. And I go, do you hear that noise? And he's like, yeah, I go, that noise right there was the worst sound as a child because when I was a child, yeah. because I knew that if I heard that noise, I was going to get the spanking out of me. And I yeah. started waving this in front of my dad. I go, do you hear that noise? You hear that noise? And I took my belt, Nick, mind you, I told you, I didn't, I didn't have a shirt on. It was in the summer, this past summer. And I took my belt and I started hitting myself as hard as I could and just taking my arm and just hitting the back of my, like I was trying to swat a fly off my back, but no, I was hitting myself as hard as I could. And you could just hear the slapping noise from the belt hitting my skin. And I just kept swinging and swinging and swinging like six, seven, eight times right there in front of my father. And I go, and I'm yelling at him. I'm this, this I'm telling, I'm, I want him to know yeah. what he did. And, 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 and then I, I, I sat back down and I'm trying to, I'm, I, I mean, it goes by so quick and then, and then it happened again. And I get back in his face and you go, I, I go, can you hear that? And I hit myself another six times as hard as I could. And you could just hear that whipping sound now i'm a grown man hitting myself but i got into his face and i go can you imagine hitting a one-year-old a two-year-old a three-year-old a four-year-old a five-year-old a six-year-old a seven-year-old an eight-year-old 
like that, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting into his face because of all this stuff that I feel like I've recovered from, you know, of all the things that I've done and the work that I help with men and what got me. And, and I think, I think it's because of all this, the stuff that I've gone through is the reason why I work with men today, you know? Yeah. And so he, he just, he just balls down. He breaks down and, and he just, you know, and I, of course there is that part of me where it's like, okay, you, you were an alcoholic and all this other, you know, BS and, and just trying to understand it. But if he could only understand what he, and, and that's, that's how my brain was developed. So can you imagine yeah. how it's been as an adult and trying to, to be successful, trying to get an education, trying to, you know, ask, you know, to meet women and, and relationships and just sure. trying to believe in me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I dealt with the same stuff, man. And you got to a, you get to a spot where you just want to check out. And I'm, I'm really thankful that sports and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. eventually the military and stuff was there for you to kind of yeah. give you some trajectory of, of purpose and stuff in life. But yeah, I remember having a wake-up call in prison the second time and realizing I have no self-esteem, no sense of self-worth, no self-image, no self-confidence, no sense of self-identity. Like, I don't even know who I am. Mm. And when men are in that place, I mean, it's a bad place to be. And mm. it takes serious momentum and courage to even admit that you're in that place, let alone begin to look for the tools you know, that are out there to try to come out from that place. And just like you were saying a minute ago, master's degree, bachelor's degree, life coaching business, you know, served honorably in the military, went overseas, experienced all that stuff in Iraq. And you would think like, you know, I got, I got some college, you know, I've, I just bought a quarter of a million dollar house here in North Dakota. I'm at the apex. I say the apex because of the financial, you know, wages that we earn here in the old fields of North Dakota. Mm -hmm just published a book, like got a podcast, life coaching business off the ground. Like there's so much success there. And I was just talking about this with the last guest that I had on my show. Why is it that we can't look at this amazing track record of success and completely let go of any thoughts of questioning ourselves, self-doubt, you know, self, not self, not necessarily self-sabotage, but just, you know, like you said, in relationships, at work, in whatever arena you're in, there's still that, because of what happened in our youth and adolescence, there's still that self-questioning there, even though we have this proven track record of immense levels of success, it's still there because it was formed in us in our youth and adolescence at those prime age, at those prime ages that you were talking about. And it's almost, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a love-hate relationship, I think, bro, because I feel that people that go through that type of stuff are the people that eventually, hopefully, end up digging real deep and building something amazing with their life. It's almost like, uh, you know, somebody once said, those whom God would use greatly, he must first wound deeply. And I think it goes back to leveraging those tragedies and those traumas and using them almost like fuel to be in this mindset where we're like, you know what, I will, I, if it's the last thing I do in mean, my last breath, I'm going to prove that I'm not a worthless piece of shit. You know, like I feel my, like I feel my father thought I was growing up because of the words and the actions and all that. And uh, yeah, it's crazy, bro. Yeah, so it's, let, the, let me, it's the difficulty ahead. of just how do you recover? And the unfortunate thing is, is that Nick is that it takes work. You know, I yeah. can't just, you know, I've done ayahuasca. I've never, you know, I've I, I done ayahuasca. I did a number of ceremonies and done a lot of different um, things, yoga, meditation, deep breathing exercises. I've done a lot of stuff. But unless you change the way your brain works, 
you'll continue to f- continue to feel that way. It's not like I've recovered. And I mean, look, this just happened four or five months ago. And, and, and just what it took for me um, deep within to get into my father's face and, wh- and basically hear for him to hear the sounds. I mean, it didn't feel so good when I was hitting myself in the back, if you can imagine, but that's, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, but that's what it took, you know, and, and, yeah. and I, I wanted, um, so the work is, is continuing, you know, I'm not going to ever say I've reached this pinnacle of, of work and, and, and who I am as a person, as a man, you know, I'm still, um, I feel like a lot of my experiences being in the war, having gone through a divorce, um, you know, my education, just, you know, the work that I do, um, that I've been able to help a lot of men develop those yeah. leadership skills because what what ends up happening is because it took such a hit to my self-esteem i had to build myself up i had to um to develop myself mentally physically and as a man i had to to learn this stuff and so because of of being willing to face the fire i guess if you will um, because it isn't easy and it isn't fun but if um you know, I, I use it today to help men in becoming leaders of themselves, because I feel like you need to lead yourself before you can lead others. And I think one of the biggest right. problems that I, I faced uh, was getting married at a young age. And when mm-hmm. you do not know who you are as a person and you marry someone else who doesn't know who she is, <laughs> It doesn't yeah. make, it doesn't match. And if you can, yeah, you know, they say growing old together, well, it's more growing in the stages together because when you're mm-hmm. a, a 20, when you're a 32 year old man, you're, you're different than when you were a 22 year old man. And when you're 42, right. you're different than when you were 22, you know, just mentally. Now you have life yeah. experience and different things and you can, you, you've, if you've lived long enough, you've, you've gone through some stuff. So uh, it's just about, um, developing yourself as a man and, and, and realizing where you do fall short and being willing to ask for help and being willing to, um, uh, face, face the fire, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So you reading, just reading, catching up on your bio, man. Like, so you go overseas, you come back and there was some PTSD, anxiety, depression, and this stuff led to, um, what you say was a spec scan. Um, like if you want to just touch briefly, like on, cause I want to make sure we have time for, um, you know, living to potential and how men can gain confidence and, uh, planning to take action and stuff like that. But you said the specs and gave the specs and gave you the information that you needed to regain your life and make the necessary changes to improve your health. Talk to us about that. If you could. Yeah. You know, real quick. And you mentioned, you know, I, I have struggled um, have struggled, mm-hmm. struggling PTSD and anxiety. And if, you know, now you know how my childhood was and my brain development, I really w- had the perfect um, breeding ground, if you will, to develop PTSD and anxiety as a result of my childhood, because my brain was already developed in a way to fear, living with fear. Right right? Living with doubt. And so for me, and I think this is really, you know, uh, you know, for the people who are tend to be drawn to the military, of course, not everyone, I think definitely has that, that potential, that, 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 um, that potential to develop PTSD, you know, whether it was a difficult childhood, whether, whether it was growing up in a violent uh, neighborhood or these sorts of things, right? So when you take somebody who grew up in that sort of environment and you put them into another environment where they are seeing people die or they can, uh, there is that 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 risk of of, of dying. That you, you're just there's no doubt you will develop something, and I and I was different when I when I came back, and so for me, I wanted to. I had the attitude that I did not want to stay that way forever. I still have my own, my struggles, but I didn't, I wanted to learn what could I do. And so I did, I, I kind of went on my own, you know, personal development, you know, type of 
uh, of thing where, and I had, and, and it's quite interesting because I had been into personal development for, for a long time, you know, for, and, and I think it was really what helped me when I came back from the war to be open, to be willing to do meditation, deep breathing exercises, uh, yoga, right? Even with those things uh, like books that I was reading about uh, sports performance and athletic performance and these sorts of things and learning what uh, Olympians do. So for me, I was like, hey, if an Olympian's doing deep breathing exercises, I'm, I'm going to do, <laughs> do them too, you know, right. or, or meditation or yoga, or these sorts of things. So once again, going back to, I mentioned, I've been very fascinated with the brain for, for several decades now. And I had knew about Dr. Daniel Amen for, for several years by time I eventually took a spec scan. So S-P-E-C, spec scan. And what this did was it really, you know, being not only being fascinated by the brain and to be able to see my own brain, it's like, it was to me was just like, phenomenal like I knew that when I went through these exams and I got these images of my brain it was like man that's that's my brain there's it's not a picture of somebody else's brain it's like okay Anthony here's your brain here's how it works and it went back to really uh, what I already knew in a sense but the, the the images proved it and basically areas of my brain were uh, so what it does is it measures blood flow and so what, there's two tests that they do. One, when you're in a calm state, so you're kind of in a, in a room where you meditate, you just, you know, you're not focusing on anything, you just, you're calming, you're in a calm state. They take the scan when you're in a calm state. And then they take the scan when you're in a concentrated state. So they have you do a, this sort of a computer game. It's very easy, but it takes a lot of concentration. And so they're taking a scan when you're very concentrated. Well, when I went to, when I get the results from my doctor, they weren't the, they were the same in almost in a sense, they're, they're almost the same where when I should be in a, in a meditative state, a calm state, it's the same state that I'm in when I'm focusing. And that's not the way it should be. You should, when you're a calm state, you should be calm, relaxed, but because of the PTSD anxiety or because of my experiences, I was always on edge. I was always on high alert. I was always, you know, uh, hypervigilant. And so I already had those symptoms, but the brain scans showed uh, exactly what was going on with my brain. It wasn't just my thoughts or my feelings. It was like, this is what's going on when you are in these states. And so for me, and what happens is, for people who do have these types of symptoms or these, these, these things, uh, PTSD, anxiety, depression, what often happens is they'll go to a psychologist and a psychologist will listen to their story, see what they're doing, and then start prescribing them some sort of medication. The thing, the problem with this is that they end up on some sort of medication that can end up leading to other issues. You mentioned ED earlier. I, I, so for me, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, when I first came back from Iraq, they wanted to put me on medication, but I didn't want to be on any kind of medication. I wanted to do whatever I needed to do without it. And um, eventually I caved in, eventually I caved in and, and I started taking it, but then it made matters worse because I ended up having uh, ED, I ended up having ejaculation issues. And I was just like, so it was making me worse. It was making me feel worse about myself. So right. something that was supposed to help me with anxiety, depression, PTSD is now making it worse because now I can't perform. And then, you know, you don't want to be in that type of situation. <laughs> right. So, right. so with the spec scan, what it did for me is, and uh, long story short, I eventually and, and I don't advise this and I'm not advising this, but I actually literally took, went cold Turkey on stopping to take these medications and, mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to do that. So do not, you're supposed to wean yourself off of them. Well, I didn't. And I was getting like these brain shocks. It was really, really weird. Just these weird type of, I call them brain shocks. They're not necessarily, that's not what it is, but that's just what it feels like. If you can imagine something like that. And so for me, when I did the spec scan, it, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. So those medications, they, 
different medications will impact different areas of your brain. So when they prescribe you a medication, they could be upping something that should be lowered or lowering something that should be more active. And so with that, with the spec scan, they were able to know exactly what area of my brain was heightened when it should be lowered, right? So there was no guessing as to what medication it should, what I should be taking. Or luckily, there were natural medications that I could be taking. So when, so there was, the only thing that came that needed to be was what's the doses, you know, what's the doses that I need, doses that I need to be taking. But when somebody doesn't know what exactly is going on in the brain, they could be taking a medication that could be making things worse. So one medication could lead to another medication could lead to another. For example, when I was on that medication, I needed to take something for ED. And then, but I was, I was young. I didn't need, I was still young. I was in my early thirties. I didn't, there was no way I should have been needing yeah, any, yeah. anything for, for, for that sort of um, uh, situation. But what happens, and so, and, and so those are some things that happen and you end up becoming this lab rat, so to speak on medication that messes you up that, you know, it, it's, it, it deals with a lot of different things. And if you're not someone who wants, who sees those, that type of medication as something that's temporary. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people, certain situations, everyone's different. I'm not going to say everybody's like this, but for me, I didn't want to be on medication the rest of my life. Right. That was, that was a no-go. That was a no, I was a no-go. I was not because I, I knew that there are other things that could, I didn't want to continue to support the pharmaceutical companies, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, so the spec scan helped me in knowing exactly what was going on with my brain and what things I can do, exercises, deep breathing, meditation, these sorts of things that can help me, um, uh, you know, social, having a good social life, um, you know, uh, doing things for me. My story goes is when I began to start seeing a therapist, she wanted me to start focusing on the future and what I wanted to do. And she eventually asked me, is there something that you want to accomplish? Because now I was getting divorced, came back from the war, and I needed to move forward with my life. I can't, I had a very important job in the military. It was kind of like the highlight, the, 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 the apex, if you will, <laughs> of my military sure. career. And so being a civilian, and thinking, what can I do now that would even touch the, the way I felt serving my country, felt the job that I had over there? And it's very difficult. That's one of the most, uh, that's one of the most difficult things that veterans, war veterans come back from thinking you have that feeling of accomplishment. You have that feeling of uh, you reach different levels of, of who you are so that when, and then you can become a, a, a civilian, you're like, this is it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's not a good right. place. So like a step down almost. Exactly. So you, and you, some have to start at the very bottom, you know, of just whatever that might be that they choose. And so for me, she asked me if there was anything I ever wanted to do. And that's where I said, yes, I've always wanted to finish a college degree. Now, mind you, not only was I sm a very small kid when I was growing up, I hated school. After my parents got divorced, when I was about six, seven years old, I didn't care. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about education. I didn't care about anything. So by the time I graduated high school, all I cared about was being able to pass the ASVAB. And the ASVAB is the test that you take to get into the military. And if I remember correctly, Nick, if 32, right, out of 100, I think 32, I, I think it is out of 100, um, 30, you need to get a 32 to pass to get in the military. I think I got a 33. You know, and, and I, I'm not even kidding. And I still remember that I still remember it because I remember the recruiter was driving me home after taking the test. And I was I was sad. I was disappointed. I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. And he looks back at me and says, what's wrong? And you could tell there was just something wrong. It was just written all over my face. I was really disappointed. And I said, I barely passed and you know being a being the recruiter he was he's like well at least you could still join <laughs> you know right. I was I was just a number you know <laughs> and um but yeah so for me 
to have that opportunity to, to utilize what the military gave me to go to college and and long story short i ended up graduating with honors and then i continued on with a master's degree so to been able to have accomplished these two things that were very important for me that i never thought i'd ever accomplish especially knowing i'd probably barely graduated high school and i it talks it goes it goes into environment and i share a little bit about this within um you know, people and anywhere you, you, your environment dictates what you do and don't do. And I put myself in a very educated environment and I went for it full force. And, and I spent six years just focusing on my education. Yeah. I like that, bro. Putting yourself in an arena where you could succeed and probably around other success minded people too. That's right. like the network. That's the network issue that I bring up from time to time on the podcast, like getting around the right people and being in the right environment to facilitate growth. I got a lot of old homies, man, that I still check on from time to time on Facebook. And I mean, they're pushing 50 now, bro. And they're still listening to death metal and still going to the bars and still, you know, using drugs and stuff. And every once in a while, they'll put something on their Facebook feed about how they're tired of living like this. And, you know, they want to make changes, but they, they haven't made that connection that, you know, um, network and arena are a big part of that. Um, Anthony, if I could, bro, I want to jump into confidence. Um, cause we talked about earlier, you know, getting to a point in our life where there's no self-esteem, self-worth, self-image, self-confidence, any of that. And I noticed on, on your blog, um, how you talk about how men can gain confidence. So, how can men, like, especially this podcast, in my mind, I have an audience like that. I want to reach everybody, but like my, my, my desired audience, and I don't want to, I hope I don't upset any of my current audience by saying this is, but guys that are just getting started, like guys that are getting out of prison, they're getting off drugs and alcohol. Um, they're trying to gain traction and they're at the very, very bottom and they're, they know they need confidence. Talk to us about how men can gain confidence and why it's important, like what it does for a man on his journey. Yeah, confidence, you know, going back to, you know, I, I painting the picture of, what, of, of <laughs> you know, when I first started, when I went to the Marine Corps and I weighed 116 pounds, <laughs> you know, and um, just a very small, small person, I guess, at that time. And you know, I had to do, I had to put myself in situations that allowed me to get some wins underneath my belt, if you will. Yeah. And that's really, it is confidence is everything when, and, and, and it's being willing to fail. It's being willing to put yourself in situations in it. And, and you could, you can determine the chances of your success, right? Like I, you, someone could go and mow a lawn, right? That's, you have a pretty good chance of doing that, right? Or you can put yourself through Toastmasters, right? Which is gonna, which is for people, uh, if people don't know what that is, is Toastmasters is a group where you can go and learn to be more comfortable and confident in public speaking, right? Public speaking is like a huge fear for a lot of people. But if right. you can overcome that, um, and, and, and work within it. And, and they have a great program. I recommend everyone to it because you really start off at a very, you know, you start off just sharing your story and you, you in front of a group and then you kind of build from there. And so it's, and so in our life, it's about finding or doing things that allow us to get some wins underneath their belt and grow from there. You know, right. it's, it's about allowing yourself to, it's not necessarily like you're going into something to fail, but it is something where you want to accomplish something. You want to do something that is going to feel good to you. Right. I've had to do a, a lot of number of different things in order to build confidence in my life. I work with new coaches when they're starting their program and they have this kind of this, this uh, low self-esteem, if you were, where, uh, if you will, where, you know, you first have to be a sales person before you're even a coach. And when I'm working with new people, uh, new coaches, they're, they're kind of disappointed in that because oftentimes people who are coaches, teachers, and trainers, 
getting a sales job is the last thing that they would ever sign up for. Right. So right. when I start sharing the fact that, no, you're a salesperson <laughs> way before you're even a coach, you could be the best coach in the world, but if you can't sell your coaching services, you, you know, you're, you're never going to get there. You're never going to, you're going to be there. So what you do and some new coaches do is they just start coaching friends and family uh, oftentimes, right? And that's a, necessarily a good place to, to start. But there's other things that you can do. And it really just takes being willing to do things that can help you to achieve uh, or to grow in who you are. We first learn to crawl, walk, then run. So why do something that's astronomical that is not necessarily, you don't have a, a, uh, the chances of being successful at. It doesn't mean you won't get there, right? It doesn't mean you, you won't get there eventually. Um, you know, I've done a number of, of public talks, but I could tell you, I still get nervous before I go up, but, I, but I'm more confident after the, you know, I've done it so many times where when I first was starting, <laughs> I could only imagine what those first talks uh, if you know were like I'm sure I sure I'm sure I was sweating I'm sure I was I was stumbling right. I'm sure I you know all these different things that that you have to go through and, and this is a good point Nick where where once we get to a certain age it's difficult to do something new when someone might be younger than you and, and they're better and you're you're at a certain age and you're like man I'm not gonna do that and there's this someone who's much younger than me and look how he is and and all this stuff. And, and it could be very difficult to get in the ring, if you will. Right. Right. And so it's finding out what you're comfortable with and, and just taking those steps, but being willing to do it, being willing right. to get out there. And it's part of the process, right? Oftentimes people want to hit, you know, they want to go from zero to a million dollars. And it's like, what would you do with a million? You wouldn't even know what to do with a million. You're just thinking of all the things you would buy, but you know, what kind <laughs> of person do you have to be in order to be able to manage that? So what, what do you do? You, well, you manage first making $10,000 and then 20,000 and you grow from there because look, look at people who win the lottery. They're broke within five years of winning that money. Why? Cause sure. they don't know how to manage it. They don't know money finances. They weren't there before. Right. But oftentimes with us, us as men, we try to hit the ball right out of the park, right? When we haven't even hit it to first base yet. So it's it's being yeah. honest with yourself, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, what is it you're comfortable with? All right. Well, you know, I want to do some, I want to do some public speaking. All right. Well, I have a group of 10 guys you can talk to. All right. Or, you know, and, and that that's a good start, right? And not not mm -hmm. go and speak to a thousand people at your first talk. Right. So it's just yeah. building yourself up just like you would. And, you know, perhaps I think in some ways I feel like I'm a good coach, Nick, because I'm the kind of coach I wish I would have had. I wish I would have had somebody who told me, hey, you know what, Anthony, instead of going in the military as an enlisted, why not go as an officer? You know, hey, you know, instead of going in the military right out of high school, why don't you just go get your AA degree? And if you still want to go, go. But then when you get out, you only have two years and you finish your, 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 um, your degree, you know, just other you know, and even in sports, I, I train in Brazilian jujitsu. I've been doing it for a, many, many, many years and I absolutely love it. Uh, I would always have people who are, you know, a couple of belts below me want me to, to teach them and coach them and get them up to speed. And so I always kind of felt like, I would eventually become a coach, uh, a teacher, a trainer. I just didn't really mm -hmm. necessarily know at what at what um, capacity or what you know working with men directly. And so it's just uh, it kind of led its itself, and and I'm very grateful for it. When I was studying my undergrad and um, um, master's degree, I, I didn't see that eventually I would become a, a men's a men's coach, and so. But I, I think things just came together. And, and um, I remember I conducted a, a men's health workshop. This was before I even thought about becoming a men's coach. And right after that men's health workshop, a light bulb moment went off. And I started thinking about all my, my life. And, you know, Nick, I mentioned to you earlier about my father. 
And I think the reason why, another reason why I work with men today is because the reason why my father was like that, and he wasn't just like that with my brother and I, he was with like that for others. And it was because my father wasn't happy with himself. Yeah. And you're not happy with yourself. You do things that you're going to be miserable. And who do you impact yeah. when you're miserable are the people that are around you. Yep, exactly. And so for me, I began to, you know, I looked at my life and getting married young and, and just these different things that I, I went through in my life as an adult. And I just realized, you know, because you, you often hear about the negative things that men do in this world, right? It's never really the positive things that we've done, the, the things we've done to contribute to society and the way we live today. You always hear about the negative things. But when you hear about those negative things, or you think about things that men do negatively, it's because they're not happy within themselves, right? And so yeah. they have to go out and do it, do other things in order to feel fulfilled. And oftentimes those things aren't, aren't good and they're not happy about those things. And so throughout, yeah. and so I, I, I really, really believe that in helping men to build confidence, build their leadership skills, their self-leadership skills, helps them to, to take on that role that they feel they know they should be doing, but aren't doing it. But once they do, it's phenomenal, man. It's phenomenal. Yeah. No, it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling for sure. Just even at work, having conversations with guys, whether I'm the recipient or the one that's, <clears throat> or the one that's delivering, but especially when it's the delivery and you're just there to encourage someone and kind of just give them a different perspective on some of the struggles that they're going through. And you can tell you helped, you can tell you made a difference, you know, even if it's just in that moment or whether it's something they take back and, and begin to implement in their life, it, it feels good to be contributing in a positive way for sure. Anthony, um, before I let you go, brother, um, <clears throat> I'd like, I'd like you to share with the audience how people can get in contact with you as far as if you know, they just want to come and read your blog posts or reach out to you and uh, check out your coaching programs and stuff like that and what you have what you have to offer. How would people find you? Yeah, people can find me at strongmencoaching.com. They go to my website, strongmencoaching.com. There's a, there's a text widget. They can uh, use that to reach out to me. Uh, you can also find me, Strong Men uh, Coach, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, Strong Men Coach. And yeah, it'd be great to hear from, from people uh, how, this, how they felt about this uh, message here. And, and it'd just be great to direct men into uh, living a happier and more fulfilling life. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I kind of feel bad, man. It almost seems like we're cutting it short, man. I do apologize um, for the IT issues early on. Like I didn't even need to say that the audience would have never known, you know, but like, I feel <laughs> bad because there was like so much more I wanted to get into. Um, uh, but I have, uh, I, I have, I have a meeting in just a few minutes that I need to get with. Would you be willing to come back and talk about some of these other topics that are in your bio and on your blog post? Absolutely. And do man. another round? Awesome. Absolutely. No, Anything I, to I, help more men out there. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, bro. Um, thanks again for being on and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you.